If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, and War Chant TV on a Libations Friday. Lucy You know, I will tell you, Tom, that, and it's funny because this is, we were just talking about Joe Burrow before the break, that when you just look at the two teams, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but, I mean, we've all been won over. The Joe Burrow story is cool. The Bengals are a kind of a fun team to root for for a lot of reasons. But if I'm just looking at the two teams, it feels like the Rams should stomp the Bengals. The Rams should stomp Cincinnati. This should not be a very good football game. Just talking about personnel for personnel, quality of depth, everything. This shouldn't be much of a game. And yet, I think we would agree, probably going to be a pretty good game. It's a one-game, one-off, and if you're, a, if you're a team with an elite quarterback, an elite wide receiver, and a whole lot of get you some, a whole lot of we are not afraid to play from behind, we don't get shook, we're never scared, you can knock our quarterback down 150 times, doesn't matter, we're going to keep fighting, we've done it all year long, we did it in these playoffs, we had no business beating Tennessee after our quarterback got sacked nine times, we had no business getting blown out getting their doors blown off against Kansas City, who has arguably the best personnel in football. I mean, they couldn't block them all that well. Now, they got the ball out of Joe's hands quickly, so he wasn't sacked nine times. But they weren't exactly protecting him all day long to develop the long routes that they burned Kansas City on a few weeks prior. They weren't getting those big plays from Jamar Chase. None of that was happening. They couldn't stop Kansas City to save their life, and yet they come all the way back in that game. We don't believe they're going to be able to block the Rams, and yet, I don't know. I think they'll be in it in the fourth quarter. Well, it's just bizarre. It's weird to say this about a team that's in the Super Bowl, but I feel like the Rams are a group that on paper are way more than what you see on the field. I don't know that they've maximized what the You mean depth Cincinnati chart. or the Rams? No, the Rams. I don't feel like I don't feel like the Rams 
Unless I said Cincinnati by accident. No, no, no. I was just trying to – because no. I think the Cincinnati Bengals can be described the like, same way in the – well, go ahead. Well, I'd say, okay, if you put the Rams on Madden, for example, with all the players and the right. individual skill, their rating is higher than what you see on the field quality-wise week for week. They struggle with way too many pedestrian teams do the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Teams that they're much better than or have a distinct advantage against in a you know, given matchup, week, whatever – they find a way to make games interesting that shouldn't be because if you just look on paper at all that talent, you'd say academic. It, I mean, it's them and maybe Green Bay as the most talented teams in the NFC when healthy this year. Tampa would be in the conversation if they, if were, they healthy. were healthy. But yeah. you get my point. Is like They're not a team that goes, runs away, and hides and dominates. They play a lot of close games, and sometimes you feel like, how is this a close game? And it's just that's the way the Rams have played it. So that's why I wouldn't be shocked. Like Part of it is the mystique of Joe Burrow and the fearlessness of that bench. That Cincinnati bench has seen a lot in these last three, four weeks. But the Rams just, they let you hang around. Yeah, they do. Uh, if you go back through their season now, they played right out the gates a terrible Bears team that they blew out, and that would be indicative of both their seasons. But then from there, they have a three-point win over the Colts. They beat us by 10. Uh, they get beat down by the Cardinals. Uh, they play a close game against the god-awful Seahawks team. Uh, that's a nine-point game. Uh, they do beat down the sorry-ass Giants. But they played a relatively close game against the Lions. That's less than a 10-point win. Um, they played a, a decently competitive game against a bad Texans team. They get beaten soundly by the Titans. They get beat by San Francisco by 21. Um, they lose to Green Bay on the road by uh, 8. They lose – oh, then they pound the Jags, sorry, yes. Uh, but they play a close game against the Cardinals. Uh, then they have the 10-point win over the Seahawks in the rematch. It was not a great – you know, they win by 7 over the Vikings, who are not a good team. You're right. They win by 1 over the Ravens, who are not a good team. Uh, they get beat this time again by the 49ers. Uh, With a 17 nothing lead. Yeah. So you're right. They're not a team that runs away and hides. There uh, hasn't been the exclamation point performance. Now, I would argue that Stafford's performance in Tampa was really good Matthew Stafford that changes the dynamic of what they are. But you're always worried that the shoe is going to drop for him as well. And you're going to see bad Stafford that puts points up on the board for the opposition. And if that happens in this game, it gets really interesting really fast. I think it's, it's advantage Cincinnati. I don't know that this game, the margin is that wide, that well, if Stafford plays poorly that they could still eke it out. I don't I don't think so. No, I think he has to play well. I mean, I, I you know, obviously turnovers in big games are, are, are huge to do. So yeah, I would And his score points. They're not I they're not dead ball like turnovers he, in basketball. It's a breakaway dunk. I don't think he'll play poorly. I think when he's protected and I think he got through that little slump there in the middle of the year where he was playing poorly and I don't know what was going on with that. I a couple of pick six runs in December as well. But there was an article that came out at that time that I read in the Los Angeles Times where they alluded to and it made sense to me because he started the year playing very well and you remember he played very well against us and when we went to LA to play them um that he was he was playing dinged that there was something wrong with his shoulder and I believe that because he when he's had protection and they've run the ball he's played really well I mean obviously look at the season Cooper Cup's had he's also hurt a lot now a lot of that's being in Detroit for over a decade because he's tough he It'll is happen. tough and he'll play through it he'll play through injury I like I like him I I, 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 I have got nothing against Matt Stafford I like with McVeigh I almost call the the fraudulent goat card a little bit more and the overhype card, then I would Stafford. Stafford's been in a terrible situation for the entirety of his career. It would be an excellent story, a real feel-good story if he could cash it in 
in this short window of opportunity with what he has left in his career, he gets to go to a new location and he does it all, that would be amazing for him. Well, now you're alluding to something that I think actually could play a role and could be interesting, and that is one of the storylines of this Super Bowl is that one team ought to be playing footloose and fancy-free with no expectations. Now, you can't say zero expectations. You're in a Super Bowl. And the the NFL's history is wrought with players that early in their career had opportunities to win Super Bowls and played at a very high level in which people thought, well, they'll be back. They'll be back. They'll get that chance. And they never did. Dan Marino being chief amongst them. I mean, right out the gates, he plays in a Super Bowl. He is otherworldly good. And everybody assumed, oh, well, he'll get a chance to win the Super Bowl again. No, no, he won't. So there's always that pressure that once you get there, and it's hard as hell to get there. Just ask Kansas City. It's hard as hell to get to the Super Bowl. And you do feel the weight of that, the magnitude of that, I would think. I would. I think it's unavoidable. That said... If you're a 10 and 7 team that won, what did I tell you last week? They won four games last year? You could not have come into this season feeling anything other than let's try to take a step forward. Let's hope we can make the playoffs. Obviously, Joe Burrow said in the preseason, which is part of his lore, that the quickest way to get to the playoffs is win the division. And he kind of winked and smiled, and, and they did. But the Rams are the ones who anted up. The Rams gave away every draft pick, every foreseeable draft pick of the future, and maxed out through free agency the cap. They're, this is if they don't win, this is an overwhelming failure. They will be considered the biggest losers of the bunch because they gave it all. They are going to suck to high heaven for years to come. They had better win on Sunday. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing about football in that market too. Is you know the Chargers are going to be the toast of the town in about five years. Nobody can see it right now because nobody goes to Chargers games in Chargers clothes. They're they're always the away fans. <laughs> yeah, but that's going to change in L.A. because the Rams are the hot topic right now. But I mean, we've already seen this fail for the NFL in L.A. in oh, that city multiple times. Rams games are going to be sparse soon. Although they, that stadium is unbelievable, but yes, I I I agree. Um, when and they're also old. I mean, the Rams ponied up for a lot of old guys who are on the back end of their deal, at the back end of their careers. I mean, some of them are not, obviously, but I mean, this they got to win. They have to win. This is what they did all of it for, and I don't blame them. I've never blamed them. I've thought, you've got this window. did the same thing last year. Yeah, you've got this window. I think the Rams did it to a greater extent. I mean, the Bucs have some guys, some residual guys that are going to be good for a while. I mean, they've drafted well. They didn't build through free agency. The Bucs have built through the draft. The Rams went out and got a bunch of guys, and they had better hope they win. Whereas we think the Bengals are only going to get better because they have so many holes to fill, which is why you don't believe it should be a good game. Like, they have got to get better on that offensive line. They could be a much better defense. Statistically speaking, their defense is not very good. Now, there are elements of the defense that I like a lot, and they have some good players. But they have a lot of areas to improve. They're just fortunate that they have one area solidified for, presumably, the next 10 to 15 years, and that is at quarterback. Which is interesting because in listening to some of the people on Radio Row this week out there in, uh, in L.A., like the Browns, or sorry, the uh, the Brown family, the Bengals' ownership group, is the worst in sports, is the worst in the NFL by far. So within the circles, they're known as the cheapest group. And so there are people who are NFL lifers, be it you know former GMs or right, scouts right. or players, that say you should kind of be rooting against the Bengals because they shouldn't be rewarded, this ownership group, for running a, a ridiculously bad organization. But the thing is, it doesn't matter now 
because it's a destination place. If you're a free agent, you want to go play with that guy. If you're a free agent tackle or guard and they need one, I'm going to go play with Joe Burrow because my star is going to be on the rise within, what, 10 games. People are going to know my name. They never knew my name before. You've got to give them some credit for the first time in maybe our lifetime. Uh, Well, I mean, I'm older than you, and I can remember when they went to the Super Bowl. But that said, they did eschew the conventional wisdom on draft day. I mean, they did say, no, we're going to go get Jamar Chase. You can tell us that we need to get an offensive line, and you can scold us as they were scolded on draft day for going out and getting a receiver. And they're like, no, we've got – we know we have the man at quarterback, and we're going to go get him an elite weapon, and we're going to score a lot of points on people. And they did, and it's worked. It has been asked in the chat, uh, what are you going to get for Joe Burrow for Valentine's Day? <laughs> well, I the already, space heater is here. I already slid into his DMs. Ooh, well. And uh, wished him luck. That's uh, aggressive. Well, uh, you know, early bird. Yeah. The 11th. Slid on your wedding anniversary, yeah, no less. Yep. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yes, yeah, slid into the DMs. I said, uh, Joe, I'm so proud of you. You get a hall pass from the wife for Joe Burrow? <laughs> I said, uh, Joe, I'm so proud of you. Uh, you've, you've emerged as a confident, uh, strong, talented uh, young man who is uh, not only entertaining but uh, uplifting in so many ways. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And uh, there it is. That's, uh, that's, all, that's all I said. I didn't cross the line. I think it's fair. Joe will get back to me. He always does. It's usually delayed. There's more love in the air. I was told a great story during the break by Matthew uh, that somebody pulled a Doris Burke, Kawhi Leonard, this morning on television. It was uh, Yeah, about Alex Noren's hands. Ah, you've heard of this. Mm. Yeah. It's it's an unfortunate thing. I mean, (laughs) Uh, was it the... If you want to see a working man's hands, <laughs> yeah, go on the internet and look up Alex Noren. Uh, Alex Noren's hands. You're like, no, okay, no, no, not that's type not that a in. Google search that'll ever. I'm not typing that into Google. I'm never going to hit enter I'm on that Google search. I'm not typing that into Google. If you want to see a working man's hands, look up his hands on the internet. Mm-hmm. No, not going to man. Do. Yeah, look at those hands. Nobody is ever going to beat Doris Burke, though. That is my. I mean, it's incredible. Look at his hands. Well, I wish I could, Doris, but the man never plays anymore. He never plays basketball anymore. I That does bother me. Like, how long are you going to be hurt in a world where dudes are playing NFL football three weeks after they tear stuff in their quad? My man can't get on the basketball floor for, like, two years. What are we doing? Just milking him for money. That's right. Toronto's favorite son, even when he's in L.A. Well, we have another request just because it never gets old, and we'll do it as we go to break now. Yes, we will play the Iron Eagle quote. It's an all-time quote. It will remain in the loop for Sounders uh, on the Jeff Cameron Show for as long as we do the Jeff Cameron Show. Uh, <laughs> got to make sure I have it in the right spot. That could be the uh, Richard Sherman. That's not so. Well, we got to get organized over there, Tom. I know, I know. We'll roll the dice on this one. All right. It's Richard Sherman, probably. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you I knew it. I guessed it because that's what happened last time. So that's what's going to happen this time. We're going to go to break and you're going to relabel. Damn right I am. Who is talking about you? Crabtree. That's the best part of the invitation. When you do that. Are you watching? He's incredulous. 
furious. Try again. I will after the break. After the break. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, guys. While we have a minute here, I want to tell you about a different kind of sponsor for this particular episode of the Jeff Cameron Show. It's a different show. It's called The Jordan Harbinger Show which is a podcast that I think you should be listening to. Uh, I know that uh, all the time people ask you to listen to another podcast or you must listen to this podcast. And you say you're going to do it and then you don't do it because you're busy. I get it. Most of us have about six different podcasts in our rotation at any one time. I think you should add the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, You can't go wrong, first of all. For example, I was just listening to one of his episodes the other day in which he's interviewing Jocko Willick. He uh, joined them to discuss uh, what it's like uh, to take st- extreme ownership of your life. He's a former Navy SEAL, amongst other things. Really, really fascinating. He did one last week that I listened to as well with Dwayne Wade about life after basketball or life that's bigger than basketball. So you really can't go wrong with the Jordan Harbinger show, and I would suggest you add it to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Before a note on the officials for the Super Bowl... We will uh, offer up the uh, requested clip. Here you go. Rob Moore, the wide receiver coach, has been blown away by Crabtree's hands and his ability to suck in these balls. (laughs) Children. Never gets old. Never gets old. It's always good. Just sitting there incredulous. So here's something that should make you smile beyond that, and it's, uh, it's, it's this hope that we all have. There's reason to project a minimum number of flags in this game. Now, first of all, they're inclined to not want to throw a bunch of flags in the Super Bowl anyhow. They typically try to avoid that. I'm bracing for who the official is. The Bengals and Rams committed the fewest and third fewest penalties, respectively, during the regular season. Did you know that? No. I did not. In six postseason games, the teams have been flagged a total of 30 times. Referee Ron Torbert's regular season crew uh, threw the fourth fewest flags of any crew in football. And his mixed crew threw 10 flags in the divisional round game between the 49ers and Packers. Uh, However, referees are mostly responsible for uh, roughing the passer and offensive holding calls. And Torbert finished the regular season tied for fourth most roughing the passer flags and fifth most flags for offensive holding. So we'll see. Uh, The the crew doesn't throw a lot of flags here. They're told not to throw a lot of flags here. They're going to be looking for holding and roughing the passer, and if he sees it, he will throw it because that is an area he highlighted. Every every referee and every crew has their own way of uh, doing things, and whether they let things go and they're in anonymous, or they really like the camera and they want to make sure that they're on television like the Hockey League. Did you know that you get a uh, ring if you referee in a Super Bowl, just like the players? Now, you don't wear their ring, their championship ring. Like a ring, ring alarm for your door? No, you get a ring, a Super Bowl ring, like the players get that you wear, and apparently it is something that referees covet 
because they wear it when they retire and get asked about it incessantly. Oh, yeah, I refereed in the Super Bowl. It's like a big, it's the ultimate goal. Not only do they get a check, but like the, the weeding process for these officials to be able to get to, I will give the NFL credit for this. So you, there was two de, two debacles in the postseason with officiating. Yeah, and, Jerome Boger's crew. Mm, surprise, surprise. Well, what was pretty amazing was the second that that happened, when that game ended, the NFL threw their ass under the bus with the quickness and made an announcement, an official announcement, that they wouldn't get any other games for the remainder of the playoffs. So they, they did do what the ACC refuses to do. Yes, that's correct. And it's good because Jerome never knows the rules. There, anytime there's more than a simple call to be made, Jerome has a hard time sequencing that out. There's always conversations, and then even when the announcement comes for the TV, you're like, man, I don't. I think he's just going with his gut. It was kind of like me with the Crabtree clip. I'm like, <laughs> I think he's just rolling the dice here. And he's just tricking the chance that yeah. this is the one. But it also is dumb that, uh, you know, I, I get it that you want to reward individuals. Mm-hmm. But the mixed crew thing, I mean, there's a chemistry that goes along with the way you officiate a game, and, and there's, like, somebody could go rogue in this in this way. Because they don't, they don't have a, they're not working for the same boss, so to speak. Ron Torbert's the boss, right? It's just an all-star crew for a game that matters this much. That feels like there are some gaps there. I, um, I certainly don't understand why. I mean, I would think that if you had a crew that consistently worked together and they shined in a way that they were rated out as the highest, most consistently sound crew of any of the uh, NFL's best that you would just to send them to the biggest game and say, guys, work together like you always have. You've done a great job all year long. Here's your grand reward. I'm not going to give you Larry from this other crew who sucks. I'm going to give you – you got your guys. You're good to go. Because if I were ahead of that crew that kicked ass all year long and got in that position, I'd be really angry with it. They're like, listen, Jeff, now you're going to have Tom, but we got to give you Keith too. Oh, good Christ, Keith. Keith can never spot the ball. Keith's killing us. I'm always careful because it's middle school, but, you know, these are people volunteering their time. It's tough. Uh Uh-oh. No, no, no. No, 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 no. What did you do? I didn't do anything. I don't say a word. Tom, you know me better than I don't say a damn thing to anybody at these games. Um, I I, thought this is when you coached back in the day. Oh, no, no. No, when I I coached, I did yell at people, yes. Yeah. Um, Well, it was egregious what went on there. But but, so that said, uh, there was something the other night where this this – official it was shaky what i noticed was that the the lead official also noticed that this other official was quite shaky and i felt bad for him because i could see every time the the one that was dubious made a call or or went over the top that the main official was like i mean he literally had the look on his face of a man who was appalled by what his other official just called and I thought about that dynamic for a second because you've got to you got to put on a brave face. You can't let the two coaches and the fans and players know that you think that person sucks as well. You can't do that. Like you're supposed to be brothers in arms. But about the third or fourth time that this person botched, plainly botched a call. And did they do it with emphasis? Oh yeah, of course. Uh. And then they not only did it with emphasis, but they resented the pushback from the coaches and the fans in the stands were like, what? You, I mean, it's a small gym at the middle school. You can hear people going, what the hell are you looking at? You can hear it. It echoes. Um, and so it happened a few times, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, man, this is making me uncomfortable. It's a middle school basketball game. Let it go. Let it go. But they were egregious. It was the worst of the year so far. And 
the one the one main guy kept cracking me up. I wanted to tell him at halftime, like, man, you are rolling your officials here. Because the third time this person did it, the main official like looked over appalled, was like, What? You could see him. Like, what are you calling? What that's like almost offended, like he was gonna override the call. You give us a bad name in the yeah, middle school officiating are, ranks. You are killing us here. Get it together. But uh, anyhow, nonetheless, the end of the game happened, and this person, for good measure, I guess, I mean, it's not, it's a 20 point game. It's, it's not in question. The game's over. They're running out the clock, and this person made another call to prolong the game. What, a three second violation? No, or it's, something? Okay. it's an insane call. It's an insane call. But the point is, it led to a technical foul because the coach got so mad. He's like, well, really, with five seconds, you're going to continue this nonsense? And then the person teed him up. The main official that I was talking about that was so offended by this other official jogged off the court. <laughs> he left. He went to the locker room and got changed to the left. Didn't even stay. Did he dutifully jog? Oh, he was gone. Like, he's like, I'm out. This is ridiculous. There was a bounce in his step. Oh, he's like, okay, I've seen enough. This is absurd. We're not doing this. I'm out. Larry, if you want to inbound the ball, you inbound the ball. This game's over. <laughs> this game's over. I am out. It's 27 points. What are we doing out here? It was fantastic. All right, we got to get my mom's pick. We'll do it in a second. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Look at the next-gen stats. The Rams ranked first in pass rush win rate this year. The Bengals ranked 30th in pass block win rate. Um, I keep coming back to it. I really do, but I'm, I would just say again that somehow the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, and those numbers have been true for the vast majority of this season, but it is something that you circle and say, I don't know of, of the of the disparity being so great in any game of this magnitude. Repeat that. St- I'm going to repeat that stat, Tom. Listen to this. Next-gen stats. The Rams were first in pass rush win rate this year, uh, and that makes sense, right? You're not shocked to hear that. The Bengals were 30th in pass block win rate. You would think. You would think. 100%. That's Yeah, that's the uh, the pit in the stomach feeling about this game where it's 8.30 and you're going, man, guess I'm going to bed. It's Yeah, you would think, but they've defied the odds. Let's bring in uh, Mama if you want. Cue it up. And now for another edition of the Family Pick, Nick. Go to your room! Mama, the meatloaf! Take it away, Jeffrey. All right, Mama, this has already been decided long ago. I ran away with this thing. It was a landslide this year. You'll have to buck up next year. But we didn't want the big game to go by without you being able to weigh in and make your pick. And you did valiantly take the underdogs and get a victory against me there late in the year when you took Cincinnati, I think, over Kansas City. Did you not? I did. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> did, I'm telling you. And I um, just to say this, this is a little, just a little aside, it is the year of the the tiger in the Chinese New Year. Ah, okay. 
So I think that's a good omen for the Bengals. Because, uh, you, you know, I know they need probably need all the good omens they, they can. I know they're definitely the underdogs, but I don't know. You know, I just the only thing that worries me is I with, with uh, Aaron Donald and that uh, defense uh, with Joe, if they just don't get too far behind, I think they've all, they've, you know, they've got a chance to, you know, in any game, but we'll just have to see. Well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I think. You know, obviously with Cincinnati, Mom, they've come back from big deficits, but this is a much better defense than the, those that they have faced previous. I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to call you again because there is a clicking sound that drives me nuts, and it's probably going to drive our listeners nuts, and I cannot abide. <laughs> I would rather quote you another stat in the midst of all of this as we recall and get this figured out because you can't be clicky on here. You can't be clicky on here. I gotta make sure that uh, no clicky McClickersons. No, no, it's just it'll drive me nuts the whole time that you're talking. I couldn't believe that number though. That is, a, I mean, that's a crazy, crazy number. First and thirtieth, twenty fifth or worst in um, in uh, pass block win rate at every position. So it's not even like individuals performed well and were let down by their counterparts. No, their linemen. Left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. None of them, none of them are better than 25th in that category. How the hell do they win? It's crazy. Okay, Mom, let's try it again. Okay. Better. 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 We can't have clicky-clicky now here on my segment. Well, it's still kind of clicky. I don't know what to tell you. We'll we'll power through. We'll make it a quick one. Uh, But I do want to ask you, are you going to take the Bengals because you want them to win, right? I am going to take the Bengals because I want them to win. And you know another thing that just really gets me is we could have beaten the damn Rams, and that just really upsets me And because <laughs> they are really good, and we we could have beaten them. And so it just annoys me no end. Well, I would say this, Mom. I mean, yes, in theory, uh, we could have beat them. We rallied to tie the game uh, in the waning moments. But in truth, that was a a pretty sizable choke job that the Rams were engaged in. I mean, they were killing us that entire game until the waning, you know, to the last quarter. Right, I know. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, it's possible for them to do it to do it again. Now, I realize that wasn't the Super Bowl, but it was to get to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you just never know. I'll tell you what we are going to do. Give me your score prediction because I think one year, about six years ago, you nailed the score. I remember we were having fun with this. We were talking about it was something to do where one of the years I beat you because uh, I was closest to the score, but one of the years you nailed the score on the number. And so it's a good omen. Throw the score oh, out there. Who okay. you got? Okay, well, I'm happy to do, I'm re- that you remember that. Um, let me see here. i got to think about the score. I think it's going to be a high scorer. Um, let me see. i got to think about it. Now, you caught me off guard. Otherwise, I would have been prepared. Um, I, I will say 40. Mm, gosh. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I think it's going to be a high scorer. Um, I will say 41-35. Bengals. Yes, yes. Forty-one thirty-five. All right, we'll put it on the That's big board. That's an all-time classic. I hope you're right. I hope I we hope get I that am, game. I hope I have you. I hope that uh, you know Joe can have enough time to throw the ball so that it can be uh, high scoring. But and I think you know, like the first half of that game previously, they were not doing good at all. I mean, I thought, oh, this is not going to go well. 
But then when they came back after halftime, they obviously made some adjustments and things, and they got their act together. <laughs> well, Mom, yes, they got their act together. This is... <laughs> I know, that's but I'm what... just saying, so even if they don't do well in the first half, I'm okay. not giving up on them. You're just saying hang in there. That's fair. That's, that's fair. right. I think people don't get too... The only good thing about them playing and the Rams and the Bucks not in it is I will not have to be a nervous wreck for the whole weekend and, and everything. That, that's the only thing about when your team's playing in a huge game. It's just stressful. I'd rather be nervous. It's better to have your team in the Super Bowl than not, Mom. It's no, all right. You know, no. you got to get past that. That's part of it. Uh, the, the... I know, but I, it's so hard for me, you know. But anyway, I, um, I said it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this offseason. Have you, by the way... Um... Oh, by the way, did you see, Tom wants to know, did you see Sean McVay's uh, dad? Did I see Sean McVay's dad? No, I don't believe I did. Well, they showed him about 16 times during the last Rams game. and Oh, well, then maybe I did see him and I didn't know it. But, you know, you know how I kind of, I, I don't know, I watch off and on those games. Uh, well, my point would be that it would be revealed to you once you saw him why it is that McVay is the way he is. Oh, see, I knew it. Yeah. I had a feeling. <laughs> I know it. See, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you're so wonderful. Uh, oh, well. Well done, Mom. Well done. I love you. It's been a fun year. I'll talk to you later. All right. I love you too, sweetie. Y'all have a fun Super Bowl weekend. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. What the hell's going on with that connection? I can't I don't do know. that. It's weird. I tried to get her to go double or nothing with you, see if she would uh, raise the point for double or nothing for the Super Bowl. I can't believe she didn't note, because if she would have seen him, she'd have been like, mm-hmm. Well, he'll be on this broadcast. I mean, yeah, so. Hopefully it's him crying. If weeping as he sees his son's second failure in the Super Bowl, ooh, that's uh, he wouldn't be able to handle that well. <laughs> just judging by the look of him, that would be great. So the director has made a suggestion: if she nails forty-one to thirty-five, mm-hmm. and the Bengals, so she gets the score She's and the team get right, the team in the in the score. It's it's a push for the year. Oh yeah, sure. I don't care. Ooh, I mean, all we, right. We would all know who really won. It doesn't matter. Um, that's fine. Yes, we'll give her the gift of a push for the year. The odds are against it. Uh, overwhelmingly so. And therefore, I hope it happens. I hope we're sitting there going, are you kidding me? It's 41 to 35 Bengals with they four minutes that to play. Extra point? That's, that's nuts. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I can't get past some of those. If you looked at all of the game previews, and there are a ton of them out there, but do, do yourself a favor and go through all those next-gen numbers, partly because of what you can bet from a prop standpoint – but, man, it is really, really – it's hard to find a path. You you really have to just be a huge believer that Joe Burrow uh, overcomes insane odds to win this game. I mean, it really, on the surface, I think if you took these two teams and you didn't watch the games this year, and I just showed you these blind resumes, I said, Tom, here, team one, team two – and you just know football the way we know football, and certainly a lot of people do, and you just looked at all of these numbers, you looked at all the advanced numbers, all that stuff, you you, you wouldn't see a path for Cincinnati to win. Yeah, it would be similar to the way we felt about Bucks and, and Chiefs last year. Even with the second coming, a quarterback for Kansas City, you're just you're looking at the trenches and you're saying, where, where's the sustained drive coming from? Like, short of the Bucks only scoring 20 points, in our Super Bowl last year, I couldn't find a way. Now, sometimes the Rams have a clunker. 
So that's the only way, offensively speaking. Mm. So in a weird way, in the beginning of the week, I thought the higher scoring it goes, the more I would favor Cincinnati. I, maybe it's the lower scoring the game is, the more Cincinnati has a chance. It's also hard to find a way um, that Cincinnati's going to get enough stops. I, I, okay, look, including the playoffs, Cooper Cup of the Rams, Jamar Chase of the Bengals. Now, this is good for us as fans. Uh, they are number one and number two, respectively, in receiving yards this season, making it the first time that the two teams, the top two in that category, can you believe this, have ever met in the Super Bowl? No, that sounds, wow. First time it's ever happened. I wouldn't believe that. That one and two receivers have met in the Super Bowl. Now, again, obviously, that you would like to say then, okay, well, maybe a shootout, because they, but that is a singular weapon that we're talking about there. So there's a cool visualization. Cincinnati. You could guess this, but uh, Seth Walder on Twitter, I didn't know him before yesterday, but it just went viral a little bit. He uh, had both visualizations of all their routes for the seasons. NFL Next Gen Stats has that. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. see how like the Romo yeah. graphic, yeah. they do that now. So he tweeted out both sets of route trees, incomplete, complete, all, the whole thing. And it's as you would expect, but it's just kind of cool to see that it's basically at the numbers and around the numbers, outside and in for Chase, and then everything in between the seams for Cooper Cup. But it's just that's who they are. There are two ways to do it, to finish at the top. And these two guys couldn't be more different in that regard, but they're both incredible at what they do. While we're on the subject, and before I forget to do it, I think my favorite prop is Jamar Chase over five and a half receptions. Well, that's a lot of respect for Jalen. Now, if that hits under, then Jalen had himself a nice bounce back performance after Mike Evans enhanced him. They're going to force feed. <laughs> they're going to force feed Jamar. I mean, they have to, and he's not afraid to catch the ball in the middle of the field. And I, Jalen, will give up the underneath stuff intentionally. Correct. Yeah, he'll play soft. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's why I think that's got to go over. I jumped on that as soon as I saw it. That's got to go over. I think. I, by the way, I misled you guys, and I want this to be out there before we go to break. I think that we should actually stay away from the uh, touchback prop. So I didn't really realize this. A, for the last, the higher percentage of Super Bowls the last 10 years is like 70, 80% of the Super Bowls. It has not been a touchback to start the game. And the, uh, I found out the reason why. There's, there's been competing theories, but the main one is that the players who've played in this game, the kickers in particular, have said that the ball that they kick off in the Super Bowl is unlike any ball that they kick at any point in any any game during the year. It's because it goes to Canton. And what happens is that ball, they will not let you rough up. They don't let you squeeze it. No deflating. No, no, that. They won't let you rub it in the dirt or do anything with it. And so it's hard as a rock. It doesn't go anywhere. And they believe it's partly because, you know, the NFL wants action. And also, if you're a player and you catch the opening kickoff, of the Super Bowl, and you're one yard deep in the end zone, and it's not week four against the Jets, but it's the Super Bowl, you're taking that thing out. Also, in general, you're taking that thing out. I could see where it's a get-it-out-of-your-system moment for everybody. Get hit. You want to get hit. Everybody yeah. wants to get hit. Let's get it off. You Even know, for the coaching that. staff, you're like, yeah, let's just get the juices flowing so my quarterback doesn't go out there in a sterile environment. Yeah, so or my defense. They, they love to, um, they, you know, most guys want to make a splash, so they're going to bring it out. And number two, the ball does not travel. Now, the game ball, as it goes on, is very much like any other game, and guys you know, don't complain about it. But the opening kickoff, kickers have said, like, that thing is a rock. It is hard to kick that ball into the end zone. They want action to start the game. Kind of interesting. I wanted to get that out there because earlier, because we were basing it on the regular season. The regular season numbers 
People don't return Cancel your anymore. bets. Cancel yeah, your bets. Yeah, yeah. Do yourself a favor. Unless you just like to live dangerously like myself, I'm not canceling nothing. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today at NorthFloridaPayroll.com. Hey, Big Daddy, having some red Russians tonight? We'll know in about 47 seconds. Big Daddy's done it again. Red Russians all around, Teddy. All right, Big Daddy. Uh, Tom is 10-2 and two in his last 12 hockey bets, but he will not go for the gusto in his private life with these bets. Come on, man. Yeah, it might be like 9-3, and three, but yeah, it's, it's there about. It's been quite the heater. I just feel like I'm due for a come-down-to-earth moment. Uh, well, don't don't waste these opportunities. Get it over with and you know, j- jump on Overcome board. the fear. Yeah. Uh, all right. I really enjoyed Jamar Chase. Just got done saying it over five and a half receptions. We both like Joe Burrow with the rushing yards. I say over. Is it 11 and a half now? I think I saw. It could be, yeah. 10 and a half is what Lee said, but it might have moved. Yeah, I think it's moved to 11 and a half. I'll go over that as well. Uh, I'm going to also say I like Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals. I'm gonna, I think he kicks two field goals. So I'm going to go over on that prop as well. I didn't play a lot of props. I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I would say this. I do like, oddly, uh, there's, a, there's a good value in this. I think the second half is the higher scoring half. You can bet which half. There's always the feeling out process. I'll take uh, second half as the highest scoring half at minus 105. That's good value. I'll do that. Um, And then I looked at a couple of other things. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, who is a really nice player and doesn't get talked about enough, even though he's a piece of garbage, uh, over 24 receiving yards. I think they'll throw to him out of the backfield some to get it out of his hands. They'll have to run some screens. And he's good catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, he's not brought up as one of those players that's a, you know, from scrimmage type running back, but he is. Yeah. I mean, you know, 40 40 a game. Uh, and he's, he's, good. he's a good player. He's valuable. Yeah. Uh, for me, old school, pure gambling. Tails, let's go. You're tails. just going to go straight in on the tails. <laughs> You're going with tails. Uh, the Burrow rushing one, I, I better get on that because once we get to around 13 it's and 14, gonna, it's, gonna, yeah. it's a problem because the worst thing that could happen to you is um, they're pinned inside their own 10-yard line before half, and the Rams are out of timeouts. So that's a kneel down. Yeah, that's minus three. That's what, yeah. God forbid they win. You've got to account for the last kneel down. Um, by the way, that is actually a prop bet, too, is um, you can will the, will the game end on a kneel down. Um, there's also, by the way, the shortest rush – uh, for a score, and if you account for the percentages of pass interference called in the end zone, you can, you can lean towards the one-yard score. Sure, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, you lean towards the one-yard score there. The other one, if if it is in fact true that that number's in the mid-40s for longest field goal, that's a smart play. I didn't find that one until Lee brought it up last hour, but I like that one a lot. 
because um, there's a couple of things going on. Both those kickers do have cannons for legs. It yep. is indoors. Both really good, yep. But then Burrow has taken some bad sacks this postseason, and McPherson's bailed him out in those situations with 48s or 52s. So I could see that. That's a good bet. Good finally. I I want to pull the trigger on the on the national anthem because it is seven in a row, and you don't bet against the streak. I just have a hard time betting on that one because I got burned years ago. I uh, yeah, you did get burned. Christine years. Aguilera forgot a lyric and raced through the rest. It was an easy cover. You got screwed. She panicked. That per, I mean, it was like a one fifty two. She would have gone two and a quarter. Oh, of course. That it's a look at me effort from her. Sure. Yeah, that's a toughie, man. I hate that happens for you. Scarred. <laughs> I'm like that dog yeah. that's just staring off into space. Lee's daughter has nailed seven straight, yeah, though. That is impressive. So uh, is and that she, enough for you? She would? No. I've never bet the anthem before because I think it's stupid. But, I mean, free money's free money. So, I mean. Wait a minute. We found a stupid bet? Yeah, m- most, a lot of these are stupid. I, I yeah. It's because of your patriotism, I think. Well, I actually. Uh, Sacrilege. It, <laughs> I don't care anything about that. I'm saying like the, the length of the song. I've never heard this woman sing. I don't know. I've never. You got a scout. I do. You got the inside I guess track. I can throw some money at it. It's a I'm sure just... thing. No, I'd rather. I like to make more football related bets, such as rushing totals, you know, receptions, scores, those kinds of things. Things that you can kind of have a handle on. I'm, I'm much more inclined to do that. I don't. I don't. And and by the way, I did. Uh, I did look ahead at the weekend. Pay attention to College Sportsbook. I think we may have something over the weekend for a couple basketball games. Nothing that I'm prepared to go with here, but I think we may have a couple basketball You got games. a horse at uh, the WM after seeing 27, 36 holes for some of these guys? No, no? in my, my uh, league here, I've got, obviously, I, it's funny. I had first pick this week, so I went ahead and just took John Rahm. Um, kind of hard to bet against John Rahm, but uh, I took him. I don't need him to win. I just need him to be you know top ten somewhere in that you area. You see how unlikely it was that he shot a low number yesterday. That's like that's good and bad. It's good and bad. It's right because that's your good day. You have one epic day. He just couldn't make a putt. He three putted on a par five. I saw the it. back nine. I yesterday. saw it well because he ended up way short with and then had that. I mean, really tough eagle putt on eighteen just to try to get it close. Uh, I wish I could three putt a par five for par. Um, you know, rather easily and be mad that I missed the seven footer that I left myself. You see the uh, the Discord in Boston played out quite well on the on the ice last night. My recommendation Six for Six to Car- nothing you came through, <laughs> yes, buddy. Sir. That was really well done. You redeemed yourself for the Edmonton pick. I did. By having a little insight to uh, what the shenanigans that was going on in Boston. You were unaware of the shenanigans going on in Edmonton at the time. I don't blame you. So the Ducks were good to me before the, uh, the break that they went on for the pseudo-Olympic break that turned into an all-star break. Mm-hmm. If you're just value shopping tonight, I don't have an I don't have an in on this or a storyline to give you or context. But Anaheim minus one fifty at home over Seattle is just you like it, yeah. Seattle is about awful. It. Anaheim is mediocre, and they can get hot at times. One fifty is nothing on a, on a straight up winner in hockey. That's that's a good bet. Uh, I want to say congratulations uh, to Director Matthew and myself, as both of us were all in on Taylor Gooch for this particular tournament who today is telling that course to bow down as he is minus 7 through 16 and has vaulted into third place. All right, Gooch Golf! <laughs> well, it's cleaner than you think, folks. Yeah, oh, I'm impressed. He's had a run today. Makes me happy. Hopefully he keeps it rolling. Happy anniversary to you and to Christy. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, it'll be a peaceful evening. Should be a lot of fun. I'm going to pop the cork on some champagne here in a few hours. Should be good.
That's the way to do it. And then we're going to have a nice dinner. Vino Friday. And who knows what else. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you Monday. Mm-hmm.